I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. You know, I've always loved to garden and grow things from beautiful flowers to herbs and vegetables of all kinds. There is just something deeply satisfying about planting seeds down in the soil and watching and waiting and seeing them spring up in God's perfect timing and producing beautiful flowers and perfect vegetables every summer. It just refreshes my soul. And I'm well aware that it takes time for things to grow, and it takes time to learn the exact right moment to harvest. It takes time and maturity and patience. And we know that to become excellent at anything takes years of practice and study. Our friend, Jennifer Dukes-Lee, mom, writer, and farmer's wife, is our guest today, and she has a wonderful new book called Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl that reminds us to slow down, wait patiently, and bloom where we're planted right now. She will help us to see that as we accept God's way of growing, we will find peace and so much blessing. Welcome to the mom to mom podcast, Jennifer. Oh, this is so fun. And Kate, I just want to take those words that you said, say, stop the presses on the book and insert it in a, in a page. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. What a lovely introduction. Oh, well, we're so glad to have you here today. You know, in the last year, many of us have been forced to slow down because of this crazy pandemic. And especially those of us like me, I am not naturally slow. You know, I grew up in the Northeast. I lived in Manhattan for many years. I walk fast. I move fast. I do think, I just do think my poor husband, I do things quickly. I, I always am kind of just outpacing him. 
but I know that God isn't in a hurry and it's been a hard year for many of us. So how can the principles in your new book, Growing Slow, help those of us that are kind of naturally just fast movers that don't think we just don't do things slowly? Help me, Jennifer. (laughs) Yeah. Now keep in mind my tendency is to do, do, do and achieve and like, boom, let's get going at eight o'clock on a Monday morning. And I am excited to rock and roll in whatever it is that's before me. And honestly, the book that I could have more easily written would have been growing fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the book that I knew that I was called to write and the book that has changed how I function in relationships, how I relate with my work, how I uh, relate with playtime and hobbies and all sorts of things has been highly influenced by this new method of growing slow. And I think it's a difficult thing to grab hold of because most of us think that we can't afford to slow down. It used to irritate me to no end when people would say, Jennifer, you just need to slow down. And I just wanted to say, you don't know what I got going on in my life. You have no idea all the things that are that are needing to be done by me alone. And so I get it that it's hard to buy into the concept of slowing down. But here's what I learned that when I started to grow slowly in my life, I am actually more productive. And that seems crazy. But I go into my work now energized, excited about what is ahead of me in the day. I am more laser focused instead of having 15 tabs open on my computer and 15 tabs open in my brain. I'm able to engage fully into my work. I'm able to engage fully with my family. I'm able to look people in the eye when I have a conversation instead of, you know, half scrolling, half paying attention. It has really helped me to become more laser focused in living. Yeah, we just had an episode air just a couple of weeks ago about being that distracted mom and scrolling constantly on our phone and what that does to not just ourselves, but those around us. I'm hearing you say, Jennifer, and and as a fellow author, I'm a firm believer that God will never give me a message to share that he doesn't also want me to learn. And, And I'm hearing you having maybe learned this lesson. Right. For sure. And, you know, when I think back, um, on when day one of growing slow happened, it was a day in 2005. And I even have a picture that records it. It's a picture of myself and Scott, and we're each holding a child on one hip and we're at the edge of a field. And a photographer from the Des Moines Register had come up to take a picture of us. I had been employed by the Des Moines Register for years. It was a political reporter, covered homicides, covered plane crashes. I mean, talk about fast paced living. That was my life. And we had made the decision to grow slow, really clear back then, came home to the fifth generation family farm. And my colleague said, Jennifer, you are crazy. You are throwing away your potential. You're throwing away your career. You're on the cusp of something great. And you're really going to throw all that away. And so it was this moment and the photographer had his camera trained on us. And I'm looking at him thinking about what he and all of his colleagues thought of us moving up here to the farm. They were going to published that picture along with my farewell essay on the opinion section of the register. And as he's taking that picture, I'm thinking, what if they were right? 
What if I am throwing it all away? And it took me years and years to start to ask a different question. And that question being, what if they're wrong? Mm -hmm. Because I had made the decision and I wish I would have started celebrating back on day one of growing slow because they weren't living the fast paced life that I was living. I was living it. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a say. I don't operate by committee, <laughs> but I was letting all those voices live inside my head and began to wonder if I really had blown it. And when we moved up here, there was no way for me to keep being a writer. I, there, the idea of writing a book, oh my goodness, no. I was used to writing news stories that would be in the next day's paper. And at that point, there weren't blogs. Um, I didn't. I mean, if there were, I had never heard of them. I didn't start writing until four or five years later, and then didn't start writing books until four or five years after that. But then I started to get into that cycle. And guess what? Jennifer started growing fast again. Like I've got to hustle. I've got to make a name for myself. I have to build what's called a platform, which in essence is a way to show a publisher that you have an audience to sell to. And so there became this pressure to grow my Instagram, to grow my Facebook, to grow my book sales or whatever it happened to be. And um, now I can see in reverse that my intentionality of slowing down in those areas really saved me from a lot of health problems that I would be still experiencing right now if I hadn't tapped the brakes. Hmm. Right. I identify with that. I had to take a sabbatical a couple of years ago, an entire year from my hurried life. And so I know in your book, you talk about the signs of a hurried heart. Can you um, tell our listeners what those signs are and how do we avoid them? Right. So I actually went to a doctor a few years ago because I was having some weird symptoms and I thought, well, I'm into my forties. There's probably just things are falling apart. I don't know. I mean, I was like, what's going on here? Or do I have a weird disease or what? But everything kept coming back negative. I went to a functional med doctor and he's a kind of a doctor that sort of audits your whole self. And he said, in essence, you have a hurried heart. And I came back and I started Googling about hurry, what a hurried heart is. And it's an actual trauma to the body. And it fit line by line what I was experiencing. Everything from sleeplessness, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, um, feeling like I needed to sleep in the middle of the day, just exhausted, um, digestive issues, um, just everything was out of balance and out of whack. And he, he told me, Jennifer, you are, you're, you're under a lot of stress. And I'm like, I'm not stressed. I know stressed out people. I'm not a stressed out person. But when I started to look at the symptoms of a hurried heart, I'm like, mm, I guess I am. I guess I am stressed. And it was crazy, you guys, because I had by this point already been teaching quite a bit on busyness and saying no to certain things. And I had really trimmed out a lot of things from my schedule. Honestly, I was not doing nearly what I had done in the years previous, but it didn't have to do with what was on my calendar. It was a hurry that was hanging around my heart this feeling that I'm falling behind or that I should be further along by now. And we know it's true because, you know, in March of 2020, when our calendars were completely whited out, it didn't take away people's hurried hearts. In fact, I think it made them speed up more in some ways as it went on. 
um, that, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get, I don't know how I'm going to launch a book. You know, people were trying to launch books or I don't know how I'm going to make my business go. I don't know how to teach my kids and also still hold on to my job. And, you know, all of these, all of these things were weighing on our hearts that didn't just have to do with busyness and what filled the calendar, but just how we approached our attitude toward living. Hmm. Scripture would call that an anxious heart. I think they're a little synonymous there. You're right. I know that God is in all seasons um, and he, you know, talks about seasons quite often in his scripture. I live in a a state where I get to see the gamut of all the seasons, whether I like it or not. Ecclesiastes three tells us that to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Why are we so often anxious and impatient to get out of the season that we're in and into the next one? I know I am very guilty of that. Right. So I'm so glad you brought up Ecclesiastes 3. That is, those are the verses that I call the ancient way of growing slow. And when you look at those verses, um, there's a, a, a stark juxtaposition of the kinds of seasons that we're told we're going to go through in life. There are seasons of dancing and there are seasons of weeping. There are seasons of planting There are seasons of sowing, there are seasons of grieving, and there are seasons of great joy. Now, most of us want to live in the dancing and in the joy and in the planting. But for whatever reason, there's this tougher half of Ecclesiastes. And I think we would do well to understand that at some point in life, we're going to have to go through a lot of those seasons. And that is the soil through which God grows good things in us that relate to our character. And at the end of that section, where it talks about these different kinds of seasons, it says that God is making everything beautiful in its time. Mm. And the way that is done is to take us through seasons. Another way of looking at seasons is a growing season on a farm. We have four distinct parts of a season. There's the spring planting, which we're just doing right now here on the farm. There is summer growth when we kind of sit back and watch God do his thing. There is the harvest in autumn, but one fourth of a growing season happens in winter, where there's all kinds of things happening under the earth that prepares us for a better season come spring. Most people want to be in a constant cycle of plant, grow, harvest, plant, grow, harvest. Most people don't ever want to go through a winter season. That isn't fun going through winter in Iowa. And it certainly isn't fun going through a winter season of the soul, but we're probably guaranteed at some point in our lives that it will be our time to go through a winter season. So how can we learn to better live within the winters of our lives, just as the ground needs the winter to be productive come spring? And isn't it true that we, we categorize those seasons differently? Like the, the spring, the summer, the harvest, the fall, those are the good seasons, right? but God doesn't actually differentiate them in scripture. They're all seasons that we must go through. And sometimes in those winter, those hibernating seasons are when actually deep roots can grow and you don't see them from the surface, but there's growth much different, much more foundational than even just the pretty fruit that we see on on the top end or the the flower. That's right. You know, winter seasons of life are built in pauses for us. 
just in the same way that a tree needs winter to rest. If trees need winter, maybe humans do too. <laughs> There's something really neat that happens in winter here on the farm, uh, on farms throughout the Midwest. Um, it happens during the frost thaw cycle of winter. So in October, you'll look out across a field and um, well, at November or whenever the crops are out and it's just flat, and nice and beautiful. And then come April, you'll see that there are rocks that have begun to emerge. And the rocks have always been there, but because of the frost thaw cycle, rocks come up to the surface. And so we actually have to go out and pick rock, which is a funny way to put it because there's more than one rock, but it's just called pick rock around here. There was one last year that was so big, Scott had to use a skid loader to get it out. It was the size of a living room uh, a recliner. And so um, these rocks must be removed. And Scott calls it the healing of the land, which I think is a beautiful way, isn't it, of putting it, the healing of the land. And so for me, um, when I wrote about that in chapter 17 of Growing Slow, I began to talk about these rocks and I thought about what about winter seasons that um, would help heal me, that if they're rock, rock burdens that I'm carrying in the soil of my heart, if, if I would allow those to come to the surface and allow God to pick rock in me, because there is no doubt that rocks will continue to, to emerge if I let them. And then I can walk freer and lighter come spring. And those rocks will damage a far, farm equipment. They will, it'll make it, you know, we'll, something will break down because they've run into a big rock. The same is true of us. If we don't clear the fields, of our heart, of those rock burdens, we're going to damage the equipment, so to speak. Mm, that is so good, Jennifer. I love that. I think that's going to bless a lot of our listeners. Um, now, there's another thing that you say that I love. You say we need permission to be where we are in chapter six. Can you talk about that a little bit and flesh that out for our listeners? Because I think that's just that that's that's just an important statement. And, and, and I think we do need permission to be where we are. So talk about that a little bit. If you're like me, you're a long range planner and you look into the future and think about what you want your life to look like in a week, a month, a few years. And I think that's okay. Um, but what can happen is that we get the idea that we're falling behind, especially if we don't meet set milestones. And I don't know who sets the milestones, but we all know they exist. So for instance, you're a junior in high school and it's time to decide what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. And somehow you're supposed to know that at age 17 years old and it stresses kids out and they have hurried hearts because they think they're falling behind. Let's say you do go to college and you've made that decision and all of a sudden you have a hurried heart because, oh my goodness, I gotta find a spouse now before all the good ones are taken. Like you have to hit this milestone. And then if you do get married, then it becomes milestones about kids. And then you start to set milestones for your kids that they're supposed to meet these certain benchmarks. I know, you know, I remember when, when Lydia wasn't walking at like 12 or 13 months and every other kid had learned how to like kick a soccer ball at 11 months. I'm like, what's wrong? She wasn't hitting this benchmark. And so it just goes on and on. Like got to own a house, need a different house that has three garages and 5,000 square feet need a lake home, like whatever it is, there's always some new milestone. And so you begin to rush through life. And at some point you get to the end and you're like, this is, you know, it's like, it, you know, we know where life ends. I mean, thank God we're, mm -hmm. we're going to heaven as believers, but what are we rushing toward? 
we're, we're in such a hurry to get through life that we miss all this beauty along the way. So I wanted to create a book that gives people permission to be where they are instead of all of the messages out in culture that are always trying to tell you to go to the next level, go big or go home, get public, hustle, whatever it is. Like, no, we, it, you, it's okay to just grow slow and to validate the good, beautiful things that are growing right here and now. Amen. What do we do when our harvest looks different than what we dreamed of though? When it looks like everything is falling apart and nothing is turning out the way we thought it would, what do we do when we feel like our dreams have died? Right. That is so hard because I think there's a natural idea um, that a harvest is going to look a certain way. I know we believe that on the farm, but the truth is there are some harvests that are better than others. There are some harvests where the yields are phenomenal and corn and, and soybean prices are good. And we thank God for that. But there are years when the prices are low and the yields aren't very good. And we also thank God for those. And we just start over after winter and keep at it. But the truth is when it's some dream that has died or something that you have hoped for that you think thought that things were growing and going in a certain direction and it sort of falls apart. I think that winter offers us time to rest and to heal from those broken dreams and to ponder what could, can be again someday. I think that culture um, does an okay job of helping people grieve uh, the death of a person. People will bring casseroles and cards and come to the funeral and check in on you, but it's really hard when a dream dies. Uh, there's not like a section in Hallmark for dead dreams. <laughs> like, what do you do? And so actually in the book, I talk about, you should, we should just have funerals for our, our dreams, like speak a eulogy, sing a song, give ourselves a bit of time to just grieve what was lost because those are real losses, but they're just not as tangible. They're just so nebulous. But I think that we, are, we would do well to give ourselves the space to grieve even that. And God gives us space to grieve right. even that. So I don't know why it's so hard to extend ourselves the same grace that God himself wishes to grant us. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to his word in light of your kids. 
To grab a set of your own, head to September & Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? You know, you talk about in the book, you have this phrase, bleacher people. You got to tell us about them because I, I love that chapter. <laughs> what are right. bleacher people? <laughs> the bleacher people. So you're running along in your race of life, doing the thing that you do. And imagine yourself um, like in a gymnasium or on a track and there's a set of bleachers and there are spectators on the bleachers and these are spectators to your life. And some of those are people who are very proud of you and that have been cheering you on since the, the beginning, maybe a mentors or parents, siblings, best friends, even your own children might be in the bleachers. There are also people who don't know you, but think that they get to have something to say about whether this life that you're living in front of them is good enough. They, it's as if they, they get a say. And um, some of those people have sort of earned the right to speak into your life in the bleachers. And some of them really haven't, and we need to learn the difference. But ultimately the very best thing to do is to clear the bleachers and live for an audience of one. And that is what the bleacher people is all about. And it's very difficult for me as a recovering approval junkie to clear everybody out. I mean, I'd like to kick some people out of the bleachers that aren't very nice, but oh dear Lord, let's keep in these people who tell me I'm doing a great job. But it's a good idea from time to time just to clear the bleachers and to remember singularly focused on an audience of one. Amen. How can we apply some of the principles of growing slow to marriage and parenting, particularly maybe to moms, since we are the mom to mom podcast? Yeah. So, you know, when you're a young mom, especially, it can be difficult to embrace the concept of growing slow because life feels like it's going so slow sometimes. Mm -hmm. I remember when the kids were little and I would try to figure out how to coordinate their nap schedules so that I could at least get 45 minutes of the real work done that I was called to do as if the real work had to do with something other than parenting. And um, the rest of the time, there was just a lot of books read and reread. There was a lot of rubbing circles into tiny backs and tuck-ins. And as they got older, singing around the piano and, and uh, silly text messages and making TikToks or whatever you happen to be doing with your kids these days. And looking back now that we have two teenagers, I see that it was all those little things that happened in the slowness of days that were the mattering things. Things like when I would still try to do my Bible study and I would plop the kids down with their own prayer journals that they would draw in. And now Lydia's 19 years old and at the first of every month, she will send a message to her grandparents and aunts and uncles to us as her parents and siblings saying, how can I pray for you? And she keeps her own prayer journal. And so my kids aren't perfect kids and I'm not the perfect mom. But what I will say is that those seeds that you are planting now, just you wait. Yeah. Those things are the mattering things. Well, that's amazing. What about marriage? Anything you can talk about with marriage. That. Yeah. So marriage, interesting. Um, 
if mine is kind of, it feels like a grow fast story at first <laughs> when you hear this because uh, Scott and I started dating when he was just starting law school and I was an intern at a newspaper and I knew within two weeks that this was the man that I was going to marry. Absolutely knew it. But here's where the growing slow begins. We didn't get married until three years later. The falling in love is the easy part. It's the getting to know each other and growing slow together and learning what each other loves and what each other thinks and what each other's values and priorities are. And now we're just about ready to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. And I look back and I think, how did our marriage survive some of the things that we went through? Some of the misplaced priorities and the late nights where we would not even see each other at, until 930 at night. And, you know, you just look back on all of that and you think, wow, this is a growing slow journey. And God has grown us as a couple, but he's also grown us as two children of God that are slowly, hopefully becoming more like him as individuals as well. Well, that's the hope, right? Right. <laughs> it's yeah, been 30, hope. <laughs> 37 years for me. So it's still, still going strong after all these years, but well, I hope that everyone was blessed by our conversation today with our guest, Jennifer Dukesley. And if this last year has taught us anything, it's that we can slow down and appreciate the life and beauty all around us we can stop and breathe and take in the wonder that we have been missing maybe for years because we've all been kind of rushing past life. Well, we are so glad you joined us today and we hope you're enjoying the mom to mom podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we would love it if you subscribed on iTunes and of course gave us a five-star rating and a review. God bless you. And thank you for listening today.